Well, if you were here last week, you know last week I said that I knew it was Palm Sunday on the calendar, but I shared what I felt was more of a Good Friday message. We talked about Jesus willingly going to the cross. You know, sometimes people argue about who killed Jesus. Did the Jews kill Jesus? Did the Romans kill Jesus? And you've probably heard people say, including myself, we nailed him to the cross. The reality is none of that's actually true. He offered himself up as a sacrifice. He went to the cross willingly as a sacrifice for our sins. He knew exactly what was coming. He knew what he was going to suffer. He knew what wrath the Father was going to pour upon him for all of our sins. He knew all of that, and he still went to the cross for us willingly. The good news is, is what we celebrate this morning. You know, we call it Easter. The world calls it Easter. You know, for Christians, really, the reason we have church on Sundays is a celebration of the resurrection. You know, the Jews, they worshiped on their Sabbath, Saturday. It all changed. One of the many, many, many things that changed when Jesus rose from the grave. We can celebrate every day, not just Sunday. Every day, the resurrection, the resurrection life. We sing those words, and I think if we would ever meditate on those words and think about the resurrection life of Christ lives in me. The resurrection power, the power that raised Christ, raised Jesus from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, lives and dwells in each one of us. Man, alive, that is something to meditate on. I don't know if we could ever understand and comprehend it this side of heaven, but it's an amazing, amazing thing. I'm going to read starting this morning. I'm just going to read a few verses, starting in chapter 24 of Luke. It says this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. This is Mary and another Mary and a group of ladies. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel, two angels. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and must be crucified, and on the third day he will rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, also the other women with them, and they were telling all of these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter arose, he got up, and he ran to the tomb. Peter and John, actually. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at that which had just happened. I'm going to just show a real brief, I think it's about a two-minute video clip. It's a dramatization of what could have been a conversation between Peter and John. I 
I've watched it six times now, and I still tear up. He is risen. I love that. He did it. He did what he said he would do. He is risen. He is risen from the dead. We serve a living God. Our Savior, our King is alive. He has risen. He really did. You know, throughout the centuries, mankind and humans in our, in our very nature have been erecting monuments and things for our heroes or leaders throughout history. We think of the great pyramids in Egypt built for the bodies of Pharaoh, and they would even put in some of his riches, and sometimes he'd either put servants in there with him for his next life. Amazingly, we open the tombs and find these tombs in these ancient, ancient pyramids, and it's all still there. There's a beautiful, beautiful place in India called the Taj Mahal, built for one of their leaders, built for an emperor of India and his favorite wife. Lenin's tomb in Red Square, where they somehow keep this Marxist leader's body looking sort of like a body. Gross. It's still there. Even in the burial vault in Mount Vernon, if you've ever visited Mount Vernon, where the body of George Washington, President Washington, has been laid. All of these places, these monuments to heroes, to to rulers, and yet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was put in a little cave dug in the rocks that belonged to someone else. Totally unspectacular, except for one thing. One thing about this tomb excels over all the other tombs of all the other leaders of all time. The tomb is empty. It's empty. There's nothing there. He's gone. He's never going to go back into a tomb, ever. He's been resurrected. He's not there. He really did it. He really did it. How cool is that? So many people try to compare the religions of the world. And they'll even try to compare it to Christianity, and they'll say things something like, well, it's not so different. There is nothing comparative about Christianity to any other religion of the world. Christianity is the only religion that gives life, that gives hope, and gives immortality. No other religion can do that. None. Now, that sight sound intolerant, but to declare anything else is unloving. It's the truth. Christianity, and it all centers around the resurrection. You know, there's a question that sooner or later everybody is going to face, and they may phrase it differently, and they may word it differently, or they may not even dare speak the words, but it'll go through their head. And the question is something like this. Is there life after this one? Is this all there really is? Is there life after the grave? And can you really even know the answer to that question? You know, there was a man in the Bible in the Old Testament most of you are familiar with. The name is Job. And most of us, when we think about Job and we remember the story of Job, we think about all of the sufferings of Job. And in chapter 14, verse 14, he asked this same question. He says, if a person dies, will he live again? If a person dies, will he live again? The answer for us as Christians is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
The Apostle Paul put it real simply in 2 Timothy. He says this, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And then he goes on in his, that same scripture and he says, He was the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, for they also, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. It's all about the resurrection. Remember Jesus raised from the dead. Because of this reality, the reality, the reality is this. Without the res- resurrection, there is no such thing as real Christian faith. If you remove the resurrection, now we can say every step along the way in Christ's life was important, and they were. But when we get to the resurrection, if that hadn't happened, everything else would have not mattered. None of it would have mattered. He could have been born of a virgin. wouldn't have mattered. Lived a holy and sinless life. It wouldn't have mattered. Been nailed to the cross, flogged and beaten beyond recognition, and it wouldn't have mattered if he hadn't rose from the dead. Everything hinged on that reality that he was going to be raised from the dead. Jesus himself made it clear, I am going to be raised from the dead on that third day. Peter wrote in Acts chapter 2, and it's interesting, if you go through the book of Acts, you will discover the central teaching of all of their sermons is the resurrection. As a matter of fact, in every sermon you will read in the book of Acts, the resurrection is included. It is talked about. It's the significant aspect of their teaching of the apostles. Starting in the very first sermon that Peter gave on that day of Pentecost, in Acts 2, verse 36, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, meaning Jesus, both Lord and Christ, the Jesus Jesus whom you crucified. The enemy tried to kill him and didn't realize he was offering himself up as a sacrifice. Jesus has made, God has made, the Father has made him Lord and Christ, Lord and Messiah. There is no dead person who is Lord and Messiah of anybody. Peter's first sermon. In Acts chapter 4, verse 2, as they're preaching and teaching in this this particular part of Scripture, as they're going along with their preaching and teaching, they're getting persecuted. They're getting arrested. The, The religious leaders are going a little bit nuts because of what they're teaching. And what is it in their teaching that was driving them so insane? 4 verse 2, they were greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. The primary focal point of Christianity, the resurrection of the dead. The Apostle Paul in Acts 17, verse 30, he says, Therefore, having overlooked for the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed. Paul is saying there's going to come a day 
where there is going to be judgment. And that judge is going to be no one less than the Son of God, the Messiah, the risen Lord. And then he says, having furnished proof. And what is the proof? What is the proof? What does Paul say God has given us as proof that this is going to happen? By raising him from the dead. That significant point in the whole life of Jesus came down to the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. The power that defeated sin and defeated death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It was the primary substance of the apostles' teaching in the early church. And therefore, in my mind, it should be one of the primary focuses of the present-day church that Jesus was raised from the dead. And of course, historians and people throughout history ever since have been trying to explain away the missing body. In fact, from the point that some of them say, you know, maybe you've heard the swoon theory. Because of the pain and the beating and the fatigue and the suffering, he kind of fainted. When they got him off the cross, they put him in the tomb where it was nice and cool and he kind of came to and revived. And somehow or other, he moved the rock. And somehow or other, the spear they stuck in their side didn't mean anything. Somehow or other, the centurions who chose not to break his legs because he was stone dead didn't mean anything. The swoon theory, ridiculous. The disciples stole him. The religious leaders paid the centurions who were trying to guard the tomb to spread that rumor that he was stolen. Except they never found the body anywhere. You know, there's historians of repute, secular historians who will say there is no fact in history more, more impossible to, to ignore, neglect, or refute than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now what that means, they can argue about forever. But the reality that this man who existed and walked the earth named Jesus, who led this group of vagabonds called his disciples, who was crucified on a cross, he was raised from the dead. What does the world do with that? We choose to ignore it. It must be an anomaly. No, for us, it's proof and evidence that every single one who believes in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior will also be raised from the dead. And the reality is this. We get confused by this word dead. We just think physical body. You know what? We are all going to live eternally, period. Human beings are eternal beings. Our spirits will never die in the sense that they're gone. The only question is where we're going to spend eternity. Spiritual death in hell. Suffering the torment that Jesus took on himself on the cross so we wouldn't have to if we receive him or we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. And it's all because of the resurrection being a reality. Can't we be Christians even if we don't believe in the resurrection? It seems so illogical, but the question's asked. I believe there's a Jesus. I believe he was a good teacher. I'll maybe even give you the fact that he seemed to be a prophet. But this whole death on the cross thing and all that bloody stuff, I don't want anything to do with that. And the resurrection, that's nothing but a, a fable, a story. It's just so, so hard for our natural mind to believe the supernatural, even though we serve a supernatural God. Paul addresses this so clearly in 1 Corinthians when he talks about what Christianity and you and me as Christians would be 
if the resurrection didn't occur. In chapter 15, verse 12, he says, Now if Christ is preached that he has not been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? I'm going to read that again. I might have said it wrong. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been resurrected. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ or died have perished. And if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we of all men are to be pitied. In those verses, Paul is basically saying loud and clear, no resurrection, no Christianity. No resurrection, no Christianity. If Christ has been raised, he has not been raised, he says, our preaching is absolutely empty and your faith is empty and worthless. Because the object of your faith, Jesus Christ, is not who he said he was. One of the little sidebar here, when, when someone asks you about your faith or what's the value of your faith, remember, the answer has to be the object of my faith makes all the difference. We can believe in anything we want to believe in, and people do. We can believe in any religious leader. We can believe in the creation around us. We can believe in anything we want. We can even believe in ourselves, meaning I'm my own God. There is no other God but Mike. Well, anything other than Jesus Christ as the object of our faith will absolutely let us down. It will fail us. It will all fade away into nothingness. Only Jesus as the object of your faith makes your faith of any value whatsoever. Also, Paul is saying in that what I just read, that scripture in 1 Corinthians, he says, if this is true, that means all of the apostles, the disciples, they're all a bunch of liars because they testified that he was resurrected. And if it didn't really happen, they're liars. And if there is no resurrection, there is no forgiveness for sin. If there is no resurrection, there's no forgiveness of sin. If they do, a person who does not believe in the resurrection does not believe or have a faith based on anything that will deal with sin in our life. The resurrection of Jesus. All who have died believing in Christ, if he was not raised from the dead, absolutely have no hope. You know, as a Christian, one of the things I, I grab onto, one of the things I share with people is, you know, no matter how bad it is, no matter what's going on in my life or in the world around us, I have a hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ and the promises of his word. No matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to a Christian, no matter how much suffering we're going through, it's just for such a short period of time in the terms of eternity. I have a hope. But if he was not raised from the dead, I have no hope. As a matter of fact, that's why he went on and said, if our hope is limited to this life only, we're to be pitied above all people. 
if our hope in Jesus Christ is based on a lie, we should be pitied. But Paul's point is, he has been resurrected. The tomb was empty. He has risen. He did exactly what he said he would do. It is the foundation cornerstone of our Christianity. And there are so many other aspects of the resurrection that lend great importance to so many other things about Jesus. For example, his own identity is hinged upon the resurrection. In Romans 1.4 it says, And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God. Not just with words, but with what? By the power of the resurrection. His resurrection from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God. The evidence, the resurrection. His identity, also his character. His very character. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, he also was a liar. Because he predicted that he was going to be raised from the dead on the third day. None of us want to worship a liar. None of us want to hinge our eternal destination on a liar's words. In Matthew 20, 18, it says, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised to life. If the resurrection didn't happen, if he wasn't raised from the dead, and specifically on the third day, Jesus was a liar. And if Jesus was a liar, what we can't trust anything else he ever said. All his other teachings would be questionable because he lied to us about his resurrection. And it's so important not only to his identity and to his character, but to his very ministry. When you think about the ministry of Jesus, if he did not raise from the dead, it would have ended in total defeat. Satan thought, and I always, I've said this so many times over the years, I love to imagine in my mind as Jesus is suffering on the cross, Satan and every demon that's been gathered around the cross is celebrating and cheering like you can't imagine. Because they thought they won. And if he did not raise from the dead, they did. His ministry would have ended in total defeat. The scripture that we hear so often at funerals in in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The only reason we can read that with hope at all is because he defeated death and he defeated sin. We don't have to fear death and we don't have to be controlled by sin. But if he hadn't been resurrected, that wouldn't be true at all. If he hadn't been resurrected, we would not have a high priest. Hebrews chapters 9 and 10 talk about this great high priest that we have, Jesus We don't have priests that have to go into the temple day after day after day killing an animal and shedding blood. We have a great high priest whose sacrifice was himself one time for all mankind, for all sin. We have this great high priest, but if he hadn't been raised from the dead, we wouldn't have a high priest at all. And if we did have a priest 
their work would mean nothing. His ministry. If he had not been raised from the dead, there would be no head of the church. The Bible declares clearly that the body of Christ, us, and all other Christians gathering, all other Christians in the world, were called the church. We're called the bride of Christ. And Jesus is declared the head of the bride. We would be a headless body based on lies if he hadn't been raised from the dead. His ministry. This is a scary one. If he had not been raised to the dead from the dead, we would not have the Holy Spirit living in us, indwelling in us. We would not have the Spirit of God living in us, empowering us to overcome sin in our lives. We would not have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to do the work that this Jesus commanded us to do in going into all the world. We would not have the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus himself said in, <clears throat> in John 16, verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. If he did not raise from the dead, he would never have ascended to the Father and he would never would have sent the Holy Spirit to his church, to you and me. His ministry would have ended on the cross. His body would have stayed in the tomb. But it didn't. And of course, the gospel message itself would be meaningless. In 1 Corinthians, again, Paul's writing in chapter 15, starting at verse 3. And he's talking to the church in Corinth. He could just as well be talking to you and me and this church or any other church. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried... And he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remained alive until now. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. There were so many witnesses to the risen Lord. There were so many people that saw Jesus Christ after he had crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, and had rose from the dead. And the gospel, right there it is, so simple. We sometimes complicate this so much. Those four things, right there. Christ died for our sins. You know, if you're never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's the why and how. It's so simple to accept Him as our Lord and Savior and to begin a new life with a resurrection power in us, living a life that can have hope, that can have a peace that only comes from God. There can be a joy in our lives that can only come from being a child of God instead of living in the world and letting the world determine all those things Can we have hope in the world? Not much. Is there peace in the world? Very, very little. 
And the joy is so temporal. But we can have an eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal hope because of the resurrection. Because Christ died for your sins. He died on the cross, took the punishment for your sins. You know, if you hear about hell, if you read about hell, if you look what the Scriptures themselves say about hell, the eternal torment in hell forever and ever and ever. The unbeliever, the one who rejects Christ. This is another pet peeve. God doesn't send anybody to hell. No one gets sent to hell by God. He sent His Son to earth to make sure that everyone could avoid hell. The only way you can get to hell is to decide to reject Christ. That's the only way. If you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, hell's no longer in the book for you or me. But if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where you'll spend eternity. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. Proof that He was dead. He was put in a grave. He was put in a tomb. He, he bore the penalty of sin to the point of death. The wages of sin is death. He had to die for the price to be paid in full. He was buried. But on the third day, He was raised from the dead. It is like, there's so many things that I've been talking about already, but to simplify it, it's like God says, He sticks out His stamp of approval on what Jesus did. And He says, accepted. It's enough. Paid in full. Your account is wiped clean. Nobody who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior owes God anything for those sins. The price has been paid in full. That's the gospel message. And the evidence, he arose. People saw him everywhere. And there is still so much evidence if people just want to look around and see the transformed lives of people who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Life transformation takes place. It's one of the greatest joys you get as a pastor is watching God transform people's lives. You know, we all could go stand in front of the mirror and if we're truly saved, what we're looking at is a life that's been transformed by the power of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. He was raised from the dead. And lastly, and I could go on, but the resurrection proves that physical death is not the end or the termination of our human existence. It proves that we are all going to live on eternally. The destination is the only thing ever in question. But the fact that we will, there is life after death. Is this the only life there is? No, it is not. Is this the end? No, it is not. You know, if, if we could grasp somehow with our finite minds the infinity of eternity... It would be a timeline with no beginning and no end. It just keeps going forever. Can you imagine how small a speck on that timeline our life is, whether we live 60, 70, 80, 90, 190, 200, 300 years? Maybe you're the next Methuselah and you get to live seven, eight, nine hundred 900 years. Who knows? On the timeline, it's still this speck that we can't even see. So our suffering or whatever it is we have to go through on this earth in this life is nothing 
compared to eternity. And the eternity that God has for us was purchased for us through Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. No other religious leaders, and there are so many, no other religious leaders have ever predicted their death and resurrection and made it happen. Some of the more prominent ones that we see in the religions of the world today, Muhammad, he died on June 8th, 632 A.D., and he was put in a tomb. He's still in the tomb, and he's still dead. Confucius died in 479 B.C., and guess what? He's still dead. Buddha died in 483 B.C., and he is still dead. Jesus Christ died somewhere around 33 B.C. We're not exactly sure of the date, but it really doesn't matter because he's not dead. The tomb is empty, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father praying for you and me, and his ministry goes on and on and on until he returns, and then it's a little different ministry, but it continues on and on and on for eternity. The question is, what will you do with it? What do we do with the resurrection? the promise of the resurrection, the hope that's in the resurrection. What do you do with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? I hope if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, acknowledge you're a sinner. Acknowledge that Jesus died on that cross as a sinless sacrifice, willingly of his own accord. The devil, the Romans, the Jewish leaders, they were nothing but pawns in God's purposes being fulfilled. And he was raised from the dead for your sin and mine that we might ascend eternity with him. And that's what Easter morning is all about. And for a Christian, that's what every morning is all about. Our Easter should happen every single day. The resurrection of Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you and I rejoice that he is risen, that you did it, that you really did it that it's a reality, that it's a truth, that it's eternal truth. God, that your word of God is true. The promises of your word are true. All that was paid for through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is available to us as your children. God, I thank you that you are a loving God, that you are such a good God that you will work all things for good for those who believe. Lord, and we rejoice even as we celebrate this Easter morning. We celebrate and rejoice beyond the friends, the family, the food, the fellowship. We rejoice that we serve a risen Savior. That he is, as we sang this morning, the resurrected King. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for those truths. And we pray now, Lord, as we leave this building and go our different directions to to fellowship, to celebrate, or maybe we just go home and take a nap. God, that we go in your peace, that you protect us, and that we walk according to your call and take advantage of every opportunity to share the good news of the gospel and the good news of Easter. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.